This passage is our Declaration of Interdependence. Now, our country began with the Declaration of Independence in July 4, 1776, when we declared our independence from Britain. And that spirit of independence really kind of continues on, doesn't it? Especially for us here as Mainers. We can be a fiercely stubborn and independent people. But the passage that was just read for us by Liz declares our independence. Not our independence, but our interdependence. Because, you see, our culture of independence that we have here in this country and in this world really kind of creates a huge problem here in the church. In the words of one pastor, he said, we have the problem of lone rangerism. Why depend on someone else if you can do it yourself? We're concerned today with ease and simplicity. So why entangle yourself with others? You may be a burden to them, and they certainly may be a burden to you. I mean, the truth is we hate feeling interdependent, don't we? You know, we, we hate feeling like we're entangled with other people, and, and we don't really want to commit to other people because we might become a burden to them. They might become a burden to us. We value our independence. But church, as this passage tells us, we are not independent and we can't be independent because we are interdependent. Because we are the church. Church is not something that we come to and do on Sundays. Church is something that we are fundamentally. We are not independent. We are interdependent. We are the church. And as Liz just read for us from 1 Corinthians 12, this is the declaration of our interdependence. Now, for context, those of you that were here last week, we heard Paul begin in the beginning of this chapter, chapter 12, talking about spiritual gifts. Now, again, what are spiritual gifts as a review? You know, we believe that the presence of God's Spirit within us is manifested in different gifts by displays of the Spirit's power at work within and among His people. Uh, again, as we heard in 1 Corinthians 12:7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So we have the Spirit of God within us, and He manifests His presence and power in different ways at different times. He gives gifts to His church. And the giving of gifts is to meet the needs and the challenge of the church at the time. So sometimes the Spirit might give an ability that was not there before. Sometimes the Spirit might specially empower or animate an ability or trait that a person already has. But one way or another, these spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit's presence and power amongst His people. A gift freely given to build the church and to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the problem in the church in Corinth was that these gifts, which were meant to build the church and to unite the church, were instead dividing them. They were divided against one another because Corinth, as we've seen, as we've been studying through this letter, was an already fractured and divided church. You know, we, we remember that the church in Corinth was divided by pride. People were proud and they were boasting against one another. Those who thought that they were wise were proud and they were boasting against those people they thought were foolish. And those who thought they had some kind of a special knowledge boasted against those that they considered to be weak and ignorant. And we find here that those who had certain gifts and abilities 
were proud of them. And they were boasting against others who had different gifts and abilities. People were boasting, claiming that their gift was more important. Or, or maybe that they'd been given the gift because they were more important. And, and that if other people maybe were as spiritual as they were, they would have gotten similar gifts. Or they might have similar abilities. And, and as we noted last week, due to the preeminence of it being repeated and its placement on the lists and the fact that chapter 14 is all about it, it seems like the, this gift of speaking in tongues was probably at the forefront of all the divisions that were happening. And so when we get to 1 Corinthians 14, we'll talk about what that means, what that looks like, and why that is an issue. But for now, just so we know, the gifts were causing division when they were supposed to be united. What was supposed to bring the church together so that it functioned was actually causing them to turn against one another and be divided. So those in Corinth were constantly comparing themselves and, and the attitude that seems to have infected the church was that, frankly, other people were unimportant or at least not as important as some. And in response, Paul gives in today's passage a declaration of our inter dependence. We need one another. And the illustration that Paul uses is that of a human body. Uh, look again at verses 12 through 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. He says, you were baptized by and you drink of the same Spirit. Now, we remember that water baptism is, declares our identification with Christ's death and His resurrection, and it marks our entrance into His church. And back in chapter 10, for those of you that have been continuing on with us in this study, you remember at the beginning of chapter 10, Paul was referring back to the history of Israel, of God's people. After the Exodus, they wandered for 40 years through the desert. And they drank water from a rock. And in the same way, Paul brings together these two images. He says, just as you were water baptized, so you've been baptized by the Spirit brought into the body of Christ. Just as God's people were led through the desert and they drank water from the rock and it sustained them. So you drink of the Spirit in His presence and it sustains you. The Spirit, the one Spirit that you've been baptized into and that you drink of is the Spirit that unites you and it makes you diverse people members of one body. There's one Spirit and He makes you diverse people one body. You know, the, the Latin word for body, I should ask all three of my kids that have taken Latin so far, is corpus, which gives us our English word corporate, meaning as a body. It means diverse, but together as a body. We are corporate. We are together. And just as the body is diverse and yet unified, so the Spirit makes you diverse people unified. It's Paul's declaration of interdependence. And in verses 14 through 20, Paul declares that all the parts of the body are not only interdependent, but they're indispensable. We're interdependent and we're indispensable. You know, I was reading this week about a, uh, an elementary school musical, and we've all been to these. It was an elementary school musical, and in the program there was a little note for everybody to read, and it said, this musical was originally written for 15 actors, 
but it's been adapted to accommodate our cast of 206. And you can imagine how that production was. No, 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 really, we need at least 43 shepherds and 37 angels for our living nativity. You know, the danger is that we begin to think that God's kind of doing the same thing with the body of Christ, don't we? Yeah, God gave me a bit part, but mine is really just a walk-on role to somehow involve me so I can get my name listed in the program. But the truth is, I'm not that important. I'm dispensable. But friends, that's not how God operates. That's not how He put together the body of Christ. Verses 14 through 20 argues that to those that are feeling inferior, to those that are feeling you just have a bit part, it says, no, there is no part of the body that's dispensable. Now, what many people don't realize is that often when the Apostle Paul taught on this fact, he would often use visual aids to help his hearers learn. And so when he taught about the body of Christ, he had a, he had a favorite visual aid that he liked to regularly use. And I managed to get my hands on a replica of what he used to teach about the body of Christ. And so it's right here. So, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if this little potato joke came off as half-baked. In all seriousness, the problem, which was happening in the church in Corinth, and happens in the church in Camden, and happens in the church around the world, is we're quick to compare our gifts and our roles. So Paul gives us a ridiculous picture, because we hear the foot lamenting and saying, well, I'm a foot, I'm not a hand, so I don't really belong to the body. And then we hear the ear arguing and saying, well, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. And friends, that's ridiculous. We see the different parts and we need all the different parts. It sounds ridiculous, but the truth is we do the same thing, don't we? We compare to one another. We go, well, if only I was like him. Well, if only I possessed her gifts. I can't do it as well as he can. I'm not as talented as she is. And so what do we do? We minimize our own part in the body and we declare ourselves dispensable. But Paul writes in verse 18, and he says, As it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. And there are no bit parts in the unfolding plan of God. Friends, there is no appendix in the body of Christ. Every part has a function. Every part is indispensable. Every person has a purpose. And friends, what that means is that you are important. No one has been assigned a bit role in God's unfolding drama. Nobody has just a walk-on part to make you feel kind of involved. No part is inferior. Every part is indispensable. And that's what Paul's arguing in verses 14 through 20. He's arguing for those people that feel inferior, that feel like their gifts are less than, so they don't really have an important part in the role. And then he goes on to keep arguing in verses 21 through 26, and now he seems to be addressing those people that think they're superior. He starts by addressing those that are feeling inferior, and then he goes on to address those people that are feeling superior, those who are looking down on and dismissing other people, because we hear another ridiculous dialogue within the body. You know, again, we hear the eye saying to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head saying to the feet, I have no need of you. 
And we know that's ridiculous. Paul reminds the church, don't confuse being seen with being superior. Don't confuse being more visible with being more vital. Hear that again. Don't confuse being more visible with being more vital. The truth is that some gifts and roles in the body are more visible. They are more seen. And we're tempted to believe that those right there are the most important gifts and roles in the church. And Paul says no. He says the unseen, the unpresentable parts are just as important as those that are seen. The invisible is just as vital. I mean, you know this from the human body, don't you? I mean, again, my eyes are important. They're prominent. They're visible. You can all see them, and I can, through them, see you. But the fact is, I could live without my eyes. Even if I lost my eyes, I would still continue to live. On the other hand, none of you here can see my kidneys. But if my kidneys both stopped working, I would die. Just because it's visible doesn't mean it's more important. I can live without these eyes. I can't live without these kidneys, which are not seen. So don't confuse being more visible with being more vital or with being seen with being superior. I mean, if you're new here, let me tell you that you have a treat coming in December. Because the first weekend of December here in Camden is Christmas by the Sea weekend. And for years, as part of that weekend, our church family has come together. We transform this entire church building. We offer a living nativity called Walk Through Bethlehem. We haven't been able to do it for two years because of COVID. But this year, we look primed. It looks like it's time to bring this back. And friends, when we do, when we do, it's all hands on deck. There is something for everyone to do, no matter what your gifting is, your personality, your ability, your age. Now, the final vignette of Walk Through Bethlehem, if you've never been there, is a stable scene. And there's Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. And I stand there and I talk over the course of two and a half hours and I give the same message over and over again. But friends, some years I've had the privilege of presenting the gospel to almost 1,400 people in the course of two days. And you might say, wow, in Walk Through Bethlehem, that means Adam has the most important role. But friends, you'd be wrong. You're wrong. Because if many hands do not carry down all the materials from storage up there on the third floor, if someone doesn't build the stable for the live animals that we put in our fellowship hall, if many persons do not construct and then decorate and then occupy the booths in the marketplace, if gifted persons do not clean and maintain and distribute our costumes, if persons do not learn their lines for the different scenes, if people do not lead music right here in the sanctuary as persons wait for their tour to begin, if everyone doesn't do their part, there's not going to be a stable scene and the gospel is not going to be declared. Church, mine is not the most important part. Do not confuse being more visible with being more vital. It takes all to make Walk Through Bethlehem happen. It takes every member of the body of Christ to function. Again, friends, even if the mouth of the body declares the gospel, the mouth is not the most important part of the body. Because guess what? Without the heart to pump blood, 
without the lungs to breathe in air, without the stomach to digest food and give the mouth energy, without legs and feet to bring the body and the mouth to where the gospel is to be proclaimed, the mouth is powerless. Friends, a mouth without the body is dead. We're interdependent and every part is indispensable. We need one another. There are no bits. And we find Paul again emphasizes this in the second, starting in the second half of verse 24 through 26. He says, But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacks it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care of one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Friends, there should be no division because we're interdependent. We shouldn't look down on one another, but have equal concern for one another. And your body does this naturally. I mean, think about the last time that you walked through your darkened living room and something was slightly out of place and you stubbed your toe. What happened? The rest of your body hurt and responded to your stubbed toe. Your foot and your leg quickly moved. To protect your toe. Your mouth uttered an exclamation. I won't ask what that was. But it was an exclamation of pain because of your toe. Your eyes immediately looked down to find the object that your toe had been stubbed on. Your other foot and leg took on extra weight so that your toe could be alleviated of work while it healed. You sat down and you cradled your your foot in your hand and probably massaged your toe with your fingers. We're not interdependent. I mean, we're not independent. We're interdependent. We work together. And if one member suffers, we all suffer together. And members should have the same care and concern for each other that the body has for itself. And so, church, do you? Do you have the same concern for your fellow members of the body? That kind of a concern demands that you and I know each other. It demands that we know each other. It demands that we take seriously opportunities that allow us to build community and really get to know one another. Because how can we react to hurt within our own body if we don't know we're hurting? It also requires us to lay down our pride and to lower our guard and to take off our mask and allow ourselves to be known. You know, as the old song, Lean on Me, says, Please swallow your pride if you have things you need to borrow. For no one can fill those of your needs that you won't let show. The body cannot respond to those hurts that we don't let show. The body cannot respond to pain if we've not truly sought to know one another. What hurts you? What are the pains you have? Friends, we must resist the draw of independence, and we must declare our interdependence. And even more than just injury, we need to be concerned that every part of the body is growing and maturing. I mean, think about it. If some parts of your body were growing, but other parts were not, we would call that abnormal. It would be a deformity or a disease. So how can we as the body of Christ be content if some parts of the body are growing and maturing, but others are not. Friends, we are not independent. We're not part of this body just for me. 
We are interdependent. We are in this together. And members should have the same care and concern for one another. If we're going to grow, Scotty, if we're going to grow, church, we're going to grow together. We must declare our interdependence. And so Paul concludes in verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So Paul's word to Corinth and to Camden and to the church of all ages and all locations is that you all may be individuals, but you are not independent. You individual members are an interdependent body. And all parts are indispensable. So stop considering yourself inferior to others. And some of you stop considering yourself superior to others. All parts are indispensable. All parts should have equal concern and care for one another because we are interdependent. We are in this together. And Paul concludes the chapter returning to the theme with which he opened the chapter, spiritual gifts. Because again, the gifts were dividing the church instead of uniting it. And so he returns to the theme in verse 28, and he he lists some of the gifts that we heard in the beginning of the chapter, and he seems to rank the gifts. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And then he goes on in verses 29 and 30 to make the point, not everyone has every gift, which is why we need a body. Because not everyone has been given every gift, so we need a diverse body that is united and is interdependent. But but what are we supposed to make of this ranking of gifts in verse 28? And then his conclusion, verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. So he ranks them in verse 28, and then he says in verse 31, earnestly desire the higher gifts. So what are the higher gifts, and why this ranking that he gives us? Well, friends, to remember that in Corinth, the gifts are a source of division. People are comparing themselves with others. They're boasting. They're belittling. They're building themselves up instead of building up the body, which is what the gifts are supposed to do. And especially as we're going to see when it came to the gift of speaking in tongues. And as such, we find again that speaking in tongues is where? On the bottom of the list. I think Paul probably did this on purpose, going, hey guys, you're you're putting this one at the top of the list. I'm putting this again down here at the bottom of the list. We're going to set things right. We're going to talk about this. And you should be desiring the higher, the greater gifts up here at the top of the list. And what are those? He's talking about apostles, prophecy, teaching. Friends, those were gifts for the establishing and expanding and building up of the church. Paul says, hey, listen, seek to excel not in the showy gifts like tongues, but in the, to- but in the gifts that build up the church. If you want to seek after gifts, seek after the gifts that build up the body of Christ, that advance the gospel of Christ. Don't seek after the showy gifts. The important gifts are the ones that build up. The important gifts are the ones that are used to serve others. Because we need to remember, like we saw last week, friends, the gifts are given not for the benefit of the one who's given the gifts, but for the benefit of the body. Again, the gifts are not given for the benefit of the recipient, but for the benefit of the body. So he says, seek to excel in the higher gifts, the ones that will build up the body of Christ, the ones that will advance the gospel of Christ. And Paul's final word here 
is that whatever gift you have, there is an excellent way, a most excellent way to use whatever gift you have. And that's in chapter 13. And that is what we'll talk about next week. But friends, what does this chapter mean for you and for me today? I mean, it means that if you are in Christ, friends, if you've been baptized into His body by His Spirit, if you, then you drink of the very presence of His Spirit that sustains and empowers us, then you too have the Spirit within. You too have gifts to share. You too have a part to play. You might be an individual, but you are not independent. And so you need to declare your interdependence. And we need to live out together our interdependence. And you might say, well, Adam, what does that mean? How do I do that? I don't know how I'm gifted. I don't know where I fit. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, I'm going to give you three suggestions. And because I'm a pastor and I love alliteration, they're all going to begin with the letter S. So to determine how do we apply this, where do we fit in the body, first, ask. Ask. Friends, seek the Lord through prayer and His Word. As you prayerfully study God's Word, you're going to see how God has acted in and through His people throughout history. Ask Him to show you your part today. Ask Him to illuminate to you the stories and the teachings and the examples that you might be part of following. So ask. Seek Him. And second, A, affiliate. Affiliate is another Latin root word. It comes from Latin, add to filius, son. It literally means to adopt a son, which was fascinating to learn. When we affiliate, friends, we're basically saying become part of the family. That's what affiliate means, basically become part of the family. And if you want to know where you fit in the family, become part of the family. If you're going to find your place in the family, friends, our gifts are discovered in community. You know, you might have heard the old adage, you know you're a leader when you turn around and people are following you. That's how you discover your gifts. Those around you are going to see and affirm your gifts more easily than you can, and they'll usually do it more accurately than any inventory will. And moreover, if gifts are about the part that the Spirit has you playing in community, then friends, you cannot find your part in the community individually. You know, again, think about how ridiculous it is. I'm going to find my part in this community and I'm going to do it on my own. That's like saying, I'm going to find out how I fit into the puzzle apart from the puzzle. That's dumb. Affiliate, integrate, become part of the community and ask the Spirit to show you your place in the community. And understand that just because you knew your part in another community doesn't mean you know your part yet in this community. Because your part in this community might be different from your part in another community. Because the Spirit arranges and gives gifts as the Spirit pleases. This body is different and the needs of this body are different from maybe the body you were part of previously. And so the Spirit is going to empower you differently to serve and to give. So friends, ask affiliate, and finally, and I think most importantly, act. Act. i got to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of spiritual gift tests. I think more important than a test is to test the waters. I think more important than taking an inventory is taking a risk. Don't overanalyze. Act. Friends, the time is short, and the need is now. The church needs you because the world needs the church. 
So take action, volunteer, serve, sign up, attempt. It may not work out in the long term, but you don't know if you don't try. So act, affiliate, and act. Because you are the body of Christ, individually members of it. Each one of you, whether you recognize it or not, is indispensable and have indispensable work to do for the sake of the kingdom. And we are interdependent. We together, the Spirit makes us one and sends us forth as one as the body of Christ into the world for the sake of the gospel. And the only question that this passage leaves you with and leaves me with is what part will we play? And let's pray. Father, what part are you calling each one of us to play? The time is short. The need is great. And the gospel must go forth. The world must see. The world must hear. And the world must know. So, Spirit, come. Make us one as we prayed in song. Show us our interdependence. Show us our indispensability. And send us forth on your mission for your name's sake and to your glory. Amen. From Randy Highland, John 14.